your dog. I'm going to have our guest, Jennifer Marshall Blakely. Today, we're talking about her book, Proverbs for a Dog Lover's Heart, Inspiring Stories of Friendship, Fun, and Faithfulness. Is there anything Gracie does that you'd love to know if other people's dogs do? Yeah, Gracie, so we have the the bells on the back door so she can like ring the little bell to go potty. She will ring the bell now for us to give her treats. And so she's she's associated, like she goes potty, she gets a treat. So now she just rings the bell and she'll just stand there like, treat, please. So I, I feel like we're at a hotel, like someone's ringing the bell, like, come bring me my, my treat. Oh my gosh. I love that. All right. That is yeah. so, that is really cool. All right. So Jennifer is here today. Talk about her fantastic book, Proverbs for a Dog Lover's Heart, Inspiring Stories of Friendship, Fun, and Faithfulness. Jennifer Marshall Blakely is the author of several animal-themed books, including Joey, How a Blind Horse Helped Others to See. I might have to make dog-eared one time about horses because that sounds amazing. (laughs) And Proverbs, Inspiring Stories for the Animal Lover's Heart. She firmly believes that animals have much to teach us about ourselves, each other, and about God. But in order to learn from them, we first must pause, P-A-W-S, and pay attention. I love this. She also loves a really good pun. So do I. Oh, Jennifer, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's so great to have you on. When did your love of dogs begin? Okay. So ironically, as a very young child, I was petrified of dogs, which is why I really, you know, I feel like God does have a sense of humor. I utterly... terrified. I even remember a nightmare as a very young child where dogs were standing around my bed, my holly hobby sheets, and they were so mean and scary looking and growling. And I just left such an impression. I was terrified of them. But my cousins had a German shepherd named Donnie. And Donnie's actually the first story in Pumpers for Dog Lovers. And um, I loved my cousins. They loved Donnie. And I just got to the point I wanted to play with them. I I was tired of living in fear. And um, so my little five-year-old self had one minute of bravery and went to face my fear, which was the sweetest German shepherd on the face of the world, but to me looked like the scary (laughs) monster. And um, Donnie, you know, I think sensing how scared I was became so calm and so quiet and just laid down and I got to pet Donnie. And so Donnie started my love affair with dogs. I realized that they were not the scary beasts of my nightmares and, um, they, they were just friends waiting for me to meet them. So, uh, it's probably around, like age five, six, I started to really like dogs. My mom was allergic, so we could never have one in the house. But um, I, I loved them. And as soon as we got, I got married and we had our own house. Uh, a dog was like my first priority. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. And my mom was afraid of dogs. And I've mentioned this on the show before, so I won't go on and on. But it breaks my heart because so my mom was chronically ill when I was growing up, and she died young in her fifties. Oh, and sorry. she. There's such joy and solace and comfort in a dog. You know, in all those hours laying in bed and feeling miserable, I thought she had had a dog by her side. What a difference. So I am so glad that you faced your fear. I'm so proud of five-year-old you because what a difference it's (laughs) made, right? And I write books about them. I mean. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I really wish that she had had that revelation, but. Yes, At any rate, yeah. I just am so glad that you did. So in this book, you have 50 short stories in the book. Yeah. 
And at the end of each one, you have pause and ponder, which is great because you yeah. had this again, P-A-W-S, where you ask some questions like, oh, could this have, you know, what did this bring up for you? Or how yeah. did them being this way affect this? And then you right. also have pause and pray. Tell us about a little bit about each of these and, and what made you want to put them in the book. Yeah. So for me, I, I love, I love like chicken soup for the soul, chicken soup for the pet lover's soul. I also love devotionals. And, um, so it just seemed like a really after writing Joey and, um, you know, my, my background is in mental health counseling. I was a grief counselor. Oh. And so I, I was not thinking I was going to become a writer, but after meeting a blind horse and, um, just it was my own moment of pausing and paying attention and i was so captivated by his story and just set about and that's a whole nother story for a whole nother time but just like wanting to share that and how to do that and then just learning so many lessons from this horse and from listening to other people who had learned lessons from the horse and so when that book was was all done and just kind of talking to my publisher about what might be next and I had mentioned the word proverbs because that was what I called a bunch of stories I would make up for my kids when they were little and so we kind of birth this idea together about just well let's look at that more let's look more at what we can learn from animals. And so the first Proverbs book was um, just all different kinds of animals. There's even like a story about a gecko in that book and a dolphin. Oh, cool. But um, then for dog lovers, it was really just about the dogs and then wanting to create something. So if someone just wanted to read a really inspiring animal story, they could just read the story. And if they wanted to go a little bit deeper and kind of dig and pay a little more attention than the pause and ponder. And if they wanted to, you know, bring a, a, a truly a spiritual aspect into it and and put it a little bit more in their heart than to offer them the ability to just say a prayer about something they had learned. So kind of like how you want to engage with the book and if you want to do it daily or um, read a bunch at once just to give a lot of options. Well, I think it's beautiful and it's really nice too that the stories are really short, but yet they're so full. And of course, <laughs> no one's going to be surprised that the one that struck me the most happened to have a pit bull. But listen, this one did yep. anyway. This one made me cry. So oh. this is Happy Girl, story 14. Yes. And Olivia was a three-year-old. She had temporary hearing loss. It was hard for her to make friends. They got happy, the pit mix. And they're doing tea parties. And she, <laughs> you know, he, she pushes him a certain way. He'll lay down. He'll sit up. She's doing full exams with the doctor, Fisher-Price Fisher doctor kit. It was so beautiful. And the thing is, and I know I'm going to get off my soapbox in a minute, people don't understand that pits, they score as high or higher as Labs and Goldens on temperament tests. Yeah. My pity is pure sunshine and love. And that's Aww. why I thought this was so beautiful. It was. And that was actually one of the uh, editors at um, Tyndale, at the publisher. That was her daughter's story. Of her, that was her oh. dog, Happy. And um, Olivia, so getting to talk to that mom and, and the picture of Happy that's in the book. So many of the photos had to be stock photography just because of the requirements for high definition. And not everyone I interviewed had a high resolution photo of their animal, but that is the real Happy in that picture. So he is so cute. Such a sweet, sweet dog. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I also loved you, right? Often judged solely on his size and the reputation of the breed, he most resembled happy, continually surprised people who took the time. And I really love this pause and ponder. In what ways does understanding produce patience? <laughs> that is huge. Yeah. yeah. 
Very much so. Just to to try to understand where someone else is coming from, and it's it, it's interesting in grief counseling by you know other world eons ago. The fundamental rule that we the grief counselors kind of operated by is in times of grief you have an increased need to be understood, and a yeah. decreased ability to be understanding. And you know that really highlighted, I think, in this story that so often we're we're all grieving, we're all dealing with our own things, and so our capacity to be understanding is often quite limited. But then, when we do take that time and we're able to see from another's point of view, it, it really can produce patience with each other. Well, I'm hoping attitudes are changing around pits. I know that social media, I mentioned this too, has been a big help with all the pit- pities in pajamas and little ribbons, <laughs> and they're so cute. But yesterday, I was walking yes. blue. I was walking, crossing through a parking lot, and I hear this, excuse me, excuse me. And I look around. There's this cute little girl. She's in the car with her dad. She looked about five, and she's like, can I come out and pet your dog? And that made me so happy because blue is a blue-nosed pit. He looks like a pit. Yeah. And and I said, rub him here. He loves that. And he's licking her, and the dad's smiling. I thought, oh, my gosh, Aww. that made me so happy. Like, I could see if I was yes. walking my lab, Benji, that happening. But with blue, yeah. it just... Oh, just filled my soul with such joy. Yes, very much so. And she was so cute. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I love all these stories. And you mentioned Jen and Donnie. I love in the pause and ponder, are you struggling with the fear today? Because so many of us are. Oh, my goodness. I know you talked about wanting to play and wanting to be included. But I want to ask you, did something negative happen with the dog that put that fear in your head? Or was it just something about the way they looked? Or what was it? You know, honestly, I've, I've thought about that. And I was so young. The only thing I remember for sure is that nightmare um, of oh, having okay. like literally laying in my bed and like in the dream that just dogs were surrounding me. And um, but to my I've even asked my parents, like to my knowledge, no, it, no, I never had a, a negative encounter. My dad did. When he was a little boy, he was um, bitten on his face by by a dog. He had fallen on it, and oh. it was, you know, not the dog's fault, but he had to have stitches and rabies shots. And so maybe, like, little me heard that as a little girl and then had that nightmare. Um, oh, it yeah. made an impression, though. <laughs> <laughs> now, in story four, did you hear something you, we meet a gentle five-year-old rescue beagle mix named Delta and a year-old energetic Weimaraner named Wiley. And I just love this story. The couple's watching TV and the wife's like, I hear something outside. And the husband's <laughs> like, no, no, there's nothing. And then she hears, no, her dogs are sitting on the, like, at the front step of the door. And they're like, wait, yeah. more the dogs in the yard. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about this story. So yeah, that was actually my good friend, Mark and Heather and uh, their dogs. And Wiley was just, he was energy and fur, loved that dog, but um, he was an escape artist and he was just convinced that the world was meant to be explored and no fence could contain him. And Delta was was truly just this sweet, like wise soul. And so she would always just kind of lead Wiley back home, but um, it, yeah, they would incessantly get out of the fence no matter what they tried to do, and um, but they always came back home, and so just Delta would scratch on the door, and um, that, that was before the days of security cameras. We always wondered, like, what were they doing? I feel like Wiley, like Delta <laughs> let him have a little bit of an adventure before bringing him back home. <laughs> what were those dogs up to? <laughs> right, and in right. the pause and, yeah, in the pause and ponder, what makes a good friend why is it important to choose carefully and how can you be a good friend to someone today? Yeah. 
it's so nice to have those yeah. things to think about. You know, it's not right. only do we get a great story, but we get to really look inside ourselves and go, huh, yeah. let's make a great friend. Why does my friend keep leading me astray? <laughs> right, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> why am I getting in trouble? Because I keep, why, why can I not, how do I resist following my friend under the fence? <laughs> right. <laughs> Now, story eight, Little Caesar. I love this because we have these preconceived notions, right, about what we want. And you write in the book, quote, Emily knew exactly the kind of dog her family needed, a medium to large breed with a temperament calm enough to be a good companion for their aging dog, Sadie, but energetic enough to make a good playmate for her two young boys. Caesar was the opposite of what she wanted, but guess who she took home? (laughs) Yep. Tell us a little bit about Caesar. Uh, so I think she she said it best. He was wild. And um, she was, Emily said, like, she was hard set. Like, I know exactly what I want. And Caesar was the complete opposite. And so to her credit, you know, when they bring this ball of energy and wildness of after they looked at several other medium and large dogs and just none of them was going to be a fit for different reasons. And so to her credit, she said, okay, you know, we'll spend time with, with Caesar when her son asked to. And um, Caesar did not make a great first impression. I think she said he even lifted his leg on her son's pants. <laughs> so, you know, the fact that she was even willing to take Caesar home on a trial basis. But they love that dog so much. And it Caesar was exactly what their family needed, especially since they lost their older dog just a few months after mm. having Caesar. And um, Caesar calmed down a little bit and knew exactly what each person in the family needed from him. And, and she credits Caesar with seeing them through that heartbreaking loss of their older dog, Sadie. And he's just this cute little terrier mix, I think, right? He is, yeah. So cute. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think she was like terrier, terror, you know. Yeah. <laughs> something like, oh, trust me. Right. Uh, pause and ponder. Have you ever been convinced of something only to discover God has something totally different in mind for you? Oh, my gosh. How many times, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was utterly convinced that like I was going to marry someone that could sing. I just, I loved <laughs> music. I love singing. And I was like, oh, God, surely going to bring me some. We'll just sit around and sing because that's what couples do. My husband cannot carry a tune in a bucket. I love him so much, but he's utterly toned up. (laughs) Doesn't always work out the way we think it will. (laughs) Yes, that is for sure. All right. Now, in story 13, permission to grieve. Oh, this was so beautiful. Jennifer, tell us about Judy and tell us about her lab, Samson. Okay, so in full disclosure, this was my Aunt Judy and my grandmother, Grace. um, So this story was very, very personal to my heart, and um, I I witnessed this. And so Samson was just the definition of loyalty, a beautiful black lab. He was in love with our golden at the time, Sonny, and, um, and so... He was there just every every day. I actually wrote two stories about Samson. One about how he was there for my grandmother and aunt when my granddad died. And then um, in this story, um, he was just my grandmother Grace's devoted companion. And he did. He laid beside her every single day. And um, as, as she slowly was wasting away, and um, so as when she died, you know, Samson was was right there with with my aunt Judy, and all the family came in, and we're all saying goodbye and, and grieving, and um, it was just a really Judy was trying. Now she's kind of the matriarch of the family. She's trying to hold it all together, get all the things done, channel her grand, you know, her mom, and what would she have me do? 
And this very perceptive hospice nurse noticed that Samson was pacing. They were about to take my grandmother's body out. And, and she said, why don't you let Samson go in and say goodbye? Um, he, he needs a chance to grieve as well. And so I was there. I, I watched in the hall when Samson went in and, and smelled her and tried to nudge her hands. And there was no reaction. Mm-hmm. And he laid his head on, um, on her arm. And then he just laid down and with a big sigh. And it was like he he knew. And so then they, they took my grandmother away. And um, he finally just laid down and and rested. And it was such a beautiful picture for all of us. Like, we're all trying to be busy. And what do you do now? And sometimes you do just need to be still and just give yourself a moment to just grieve, to feel, um, to be present with it, with each other. So it, it yeah. truly was a gift and permission to grieve. I know you brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> it's beautiful. No, it's no, yeah. don't be. It's yeah. It's so beautiful. I'm just picturing him nudging her hand and yeah. and just putting his head down and yeah. <sighs> yeah. It was it was truly like a sacred moment just being there to to see all of that. So, And I love what you write. Uh, the nurse's words brought healing to Judy's heart. What are some healing words that someone has said to you? Who needs your wise words of healing today? Mm. That's so yeah. beautiful. So it's like, yeah. what do you need and how can you give to others? Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Now in story 17, Convincing Raven, I this <laughs> one I laugh because I have a lab, Benji, okay. who okay. does not like to swim. And just ask his aquatic therapist. So he has really bad arthritis oh. now. He's nine. And oh, we started okay. a few weeks ago. And this is a big dog. And it's hard to get him in the pool. <laughs> but we get him in and he flops around. And then he does fine. <laughs> so this whole idea that labs just naturally swim. Now, dogs are more yeah. inclined, right? Certain breeds to do things. But he was never, we got him at 19 months. He was never exposed to water. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where the funny thing, and I will get to the story is if I throw a stick in this pond we have near us, my pit bull, and he's heavy and strong, he'll swim. He struggles to keep his big head up and gets it. And Benji just sits on the shore, waits for Blue, and then tries to take it from him when he (laughs) gets out. But anyway, so Raven, quote, Raven had no idea she could swim. The black, black black-coated retriever had no idea she had come from a long line of swimmers and champion dock divers. And her pet parent, Anne, I love this. You write, quote, Anne knew firsthand how much fear could cost someone. How many places had her intense fear of flying kept her from visiting? Uh, and she really felt like she wanted for her dog to not have that fear, not to miss out, right? So tell us about what happened. Yeah. So um, <laughs> this a neighbor shared this story with me. And um, so, yes, they, they took Raven to the lake. And, you know, a lot of pet parents probably would have been like, oh, it's fine. My dog doesn't want to swim. But I think Anne, knowing, like you said, just what fear can cost and what her dog was missing out on and just sensing that her dog was going to love the water. They just kept giving opportunities. But lo and behold, it was another dog that modeled for Raven. So Raven was so caught up playing with this new friend at the lake that she almost didn't even realize that she was in the water until it was kind of too late. And then that moment of like, oh my goodness. But <laughs> but thankfully, I think just seeing another canine friend having so much fun and, and helped Raven, if dogs can get out of their own head, I don't know if the psychology of a dog, but it's almost like Raven needed to get out of her own head and just have fun with a friend. Um, but yeah, the, the my neighbor described Raven's swim 
um, was so funny. Her legs would go out straight and she would like doggy paddle with <laughs> almost look like just this like straight like march or something. Just this terrified, like I'm doing it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so funny. I love the pause and ponder because you ask us to write something down and I love that. You write, what fear has you shaking on the shore? What is it you are afraid will happen if you step into the water? Take a moment to write down your fear Next to that fear, write down everything you know to be true of God. God is bigger than any fear you will ever have. Now, I I feel like even if you're not a religious person, I feel like this book is for everyone. I just want to put it out there. Oh, thank you for saying that. Thank you. I I completely agree, which is why, you know, I, I tried to write it so that you could engage however you wanted to with it. But fear is universal to all of us, like regardless of where, you know, we all know what it, what it means to be afraid of something. We all know what fear can cause, how it feels hopefully to face that fear and that victory you feel on the other side. And I love that dogs can so often point the way for us, that unconditional love, that trust, that um, companionship, all of that, that we see in them, that they model so beautifully. Yeah, they really do. Does your family include a dog or a cat? Would you like to be better educated on how to advocate for their health naturally? Then why not check out all of the amazing resources on naturallyhealthypets.com? Dr. Judy Morgan is a trusted advisor and a regular guest here on the Dog-Eared Podcast. She has over 38 years experience as an integrative veterinarian, acupuncturist, chiropractor, food therapist, author, speaker, podcast host, and owner of Dr. Judy Morgan's Naturally Healthy Pets. Dr. Judy's goal is to change the lives of pets by educating and empowering pet parents just like you in the use of natural healing therapies and minimizing the use of chemicals, vaccinations, and poor quality processed food. Head on over to naturallyhealthypets.com where you'll discover healthy product recommendations, comprehensive courses, the Naturally Healthy Pets podcast, informative blogs, upcoming events, and so much more. Again, that's naturallyhealthypets.com, the place to learn how to give your pet the vibrant life that they deserve. Now, story 21, Sunny's Hedgehog. When you bring a baby into the mix, that can be a lot on the dog. And you you write in that story, it, it's written so well because, oh, you know, you. there's a lot of change and your dog's not going to get the same amount of attention. I mean, yeah. you do the best you can, but it's really yeah. rough in the beginning. So tell us about this story. Yeah. Okay. So that, again, that was my story. Um, Sunny oh, was our, yes, Sunny right, was our yes. first baby. The the one that as soon as I got married, I was like, okay, dog. And <laughs> So we we um, rescued. She was kind of a mix, like Irish Setter, Golden Retriever, um, but she was our baby. And I was desperate. I, I wanted. I was ready to start trying to have kids the moment I said I do. My husband was a lot slower to that um, decision. So Sunny was my baby, and we would go for walks. I will tell this story on myself. It's so ridiculous, but we were there was a bunch of birds. I was really wanting a baby, and I was like, Sunny, look, bird. Can you bark, bird? <laughs> that tells you where my heart and emotion. I was trying to get my dog to bark, bird. 
Um, so she was our baby. I would put her to bed at night. I would stay home from work when she was sick. Like she ruled the roost. And, um, and then we finally brought our, our, our son home and, um, she really did struggle in the, I just, I recognized her life was different and my attention was different and things that had always been weren't. But lo and behold, she starts bringing this hedgehog with her everywhere. She had had the hedgehog. It was her hedgie. But she never really paid too much attention. And it was the funniest thing to start to notice that, like, I would feed Andrew and she would have her hedgehog. And she was spayed. Like, how she knew to put it where she put it was just mind-boggling. But, um, like, her hedgehog would be in her belly. and um, Her hedgehog would be in her mouth. Her hedgehog, she dropped it in the bathtub so many times. That hedgehog was waterlogged because every time we gave the baby a bath. And it was almost like, okay, fine, I'll just join you and we'll share this. We'll take care of our babies together. And so that became, like, harp our thing. When I would nurse on the bed, she would jump up on the bed. I mean, it it was so, so she kind of figured out how to make it work. And then as Daryl and I started sleeping again and, you know, like made our way through this haze of parenthood and got back in the routine of walking. And then her life kind of came back to where it was. She was always the queen. We always called her Queen Sunny. And um, my son adored her. And uh, so it was, it turned into this sweetest little friendship. It, it took a season of adjustment. Now, how long was Sunny a part of your son's life? Like, did he get to um, enjoy her? She died much? when he was six. So, yeah, she she lived to be 11. And so it, it was a, it was a very it hard It must have loss. been really hard. It was. Yeah, it was. I end up writing. I've, I've written Proverbs for Kids, which comes out in the fall. And I wrote oh. about that story from my son's perspective because it's important for kids to to have a picture of what that looks like to grieve. And um, yes. so we, we wrote about that story. You're being a grief counselor in the past. If you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about how it was talking with your son about Sonny's passing. Oh, yeah, it's it's so hard. I, you know, kind of letting the child lead a little bit. Like with Andrew, I was convinced that he needed to talk about it right away and we needed to do all the feelings and all the things. And he just wanted to play with his Legos. And so yeah. giving space for him to just like absorb what he heard and then pl- have something normal and play. Um, we planted a tree in Sonny's mm-hmm. memory so that he had somewhere to go if he wanted somewhere to go and talk to her, remember her. Um, you know, it just occurred to me a couple months ago, I'm like, if I could have done it again, I might have put something of Sonny's in the hole where the tree was, just kind of that it was growing like from her, you know? Um yeah. And then just allow, like, continuing to talk about her. We made a photo book, um, like a Shutterfly book, and ask him what pictures he'd like to have in it. Um, We have it on display, so at any point, anybody can go back and look through it. And um, so, you know, trying to to have conversations, but also respect that sometimes he just wants to be a normal kid and not have all the feelings. Um, and then my daughter, we lost our second, um, we love golden. So (laughs) we've, we've had three, uh, we lost our second golden when, um, my kids were older and my daughter was older. So she wanted to talk about Bailey all the time. She drew pictures about Bailey. We like talked about Bailey and Andrew didn't, he didn't want to talk about it as much. And so trying to let your, 
child lead the, you know, the process, which is sometimes hard because then you're grieving too. So, um, you know, that goes back to that understanding thing and sometimes having grace for yourself. And so sometimes it's asking someone else to talk to your child or, you know, inviting them to talk to another. Um, I'm a big proponent. I think there should be like grief groups for pet lovers and, and pet parents. And, you know, it's sometimes... I know that sounds horrible. You'll understand it. I'm sure your audience will understand. Sometimes I feel like we grieve more intensely for an animal even than a person because sometimes our relationships with people are so complicated. Exactly. Oh, you're so right. Yeah. But the grief with an animal, it's like that love is so pure. And so it, it can hit harder, which oh, non-dog people so don't understand or non-animal no. people don't understand. <laughs> they don't get it. It's, oh, yeah. oh, just get another one. Oh, my gosh. Uh, just right. Don't. Yeah. Now, your son was sick, so was this his first exposure to death? Because that can be really hard, it, too. It was, well, yes and no. My my grandmother, so the story from Permission to Grieve, she died a month before Sonny. Oh, so he was – I wasn't sure if that was before. Okay. Yeah, oh. so we got hit, like, you know, back to back. Oh, my so, goodness. So yeah, it was, a very, it was a very hard season. So um, – but it, you know, it was almost – it gave him a frame of reference. So we were able to grieve both together, talk about both together. Um, and for him, it was very comforting to, to think of Sonny and grandmother together. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was helpful. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Now, story 24, I love this one too, A Tale of Two Dogs. You write about Sully. Now, he was a service dog to late President George H.W. Bush. And you tell us about a dog named Samson, and this is the one we've yeah. talked about, right? With yeah. Judy, tell us a little bit more about a tale of two dogs. Yeah, the um, the I guess the story with Sully was obviously it happened while I was writing this book, and I was so moved by that that image of Sully laying in front of the coffin. I don't know if you remember yes. that the flag. Yes. It was just so moving, and um, so as I was writing, I knew I wanted to include that, and I just loved the contrast between the dog who, like everyone, seemed to know his name that week. And then talking with my aunt, um, and just Samson and how much he was just as important to Judy, but nobody would ever know his name. And, you know, just thinking about how that is in life, that there's those that are so well known and they do such good and rightfully so. And then there's those that will nobody will ever know who they are except the person that they touched. And it doesn't make it any less important to the to the one whose life was touched, even though the world might not know their names. So I just, I liked yeah. exploring that concept with that story. I think that's a great thing to explore. They might not be household names, but to us, they're superstars. Like yes. my dogs are more superstars than celebrities. <laughs> to give <laughs> right? a flying flag, yeah. big, yeah. whatever. <laughs> give me more dogs. So true. Yes. So true. <laughs> now in the pause and ponder of this, you have why are love and faithfulness so important in this world? Who would you consider a loyal and faithful person in your life? What do you want people to think about you when they hear your name? Mm. Those are really yeah. beautiful. Again, I love yeah. this. I love to sit oh, and think about you. these things. Now, I love this. I mean, I love all the stories. So I'm going to say, I love this story. I love this story. <laughs> so story 26, Understanding Lola. This happened to me recently where Blue really? is standing in the kitchen. Okay. And he's, he just cries. He has a really cute cry. I'm like, I don't understand. Like he ate, he's got water. I try to let him out, everything. And he's just standing there and duh. I look down and under 
there's like a ball stuck under that you can't see unless oh you gosh. go down. And that's okay. the exact same thing that happened with yes. Bruce, right? And he's yeah. like, what are you doing, Lil? You're driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor Bruce. I mean, he's just like, I just wanted to lay on this TV, on the sofa and watch TV. The family's gone. The house is quiet and the dog is losing <laughs> her mind. Um, and so again, it's that under, that concept of like understanding, you know, so many people would have just gotten so annoyed or gone in another room or put the dog outside. And so to his credit, he got on his belly and, you know, okay, what? Oh, there's a ball. (laughs) (laughs) It's really important. And and some of what you ask in the pause and ponder or ask us to ask is, why is it important to listen and pay attention to those around you? Mm. Because he could have just thought, well, whatever, the dog's just whining or barking, but what's the yeah. big deal? But, yeah. you know, this this story I haven't shared yet, which shocks my husband. He's like, I can't believe I shared this story yet. So our <laughs> fir- the first dog I ever had was Bailey. He was a pit mix. He looked like the dog from Something About Mary mixed with a pit. So he was like a, oh he was, um, okay. a border terrier pit mix. So insanely cute. Oh. And somehow Bailey got outside. Okay. okay. I don't even remember how. And... I'm looking for him and I keep hearing this, it's dark and I'm, we don't have great street lights on our street and I keep hearing this whistle sound and it sounds very spooky. Oh, wow. So I go in, I'm like, hun, I, I don't know where he is. You got to look for him, but this, there's a sound and it's freaking me out. <sighs> My husband goes and looks, turns out Bailey's across the street. Our neighbor has this like little brick wall. And he jumped over it and his leash got caught. So he was doing this weird sound that sounded like some kind of spooky ghost. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, no. So, you know, I mean, Ken, like, like, well, I just went to the sound, hun. But I'm like, but it sounds so – I don't even believe in those things. But I'm like, it sounds so scary. (laughs) Anyway, so literally stuck. Yeah. I thought that was crazy. Wow. Right. How happy he must have been to see you. (laughs) Yes. You know, another story that really moved me so deeply was story 27. What a friend. This, I think, is so poignant because we can, when something bad happens, it's so easy to just recoil and be like, I'm never doing that again. And there's this dog, Tesla. It's a two-year-old golden retriever. And he's doing this volunteer work in uh, a nursing home or a, a home for people with Alzheimer's. A woman at one second is like, oh, you're such a good dog. And she's smiling and giggling and petting him. And then out of the blue, without any warning, you write, quote, the woman smacked Tesla on the nose and started screaming, you're being so mean to me. You're a bad dog. That just broke my heart. Yeah. And it broke my heart for the woman, of course, because she doesn't know what, right? Right. Right. And the thing is that I loved is that Tesla went right back to work. (laughs) Yeah. And really made a big impact on another patient in a positive way. Tell us about that. Yeah. No, it was such a beautiful story. Sandy is such a a kind-hearted woman. And she did um, therapy work with with Tesla. And she said, like, she had a hard time continuing because she just wanted to take her dog and run, as all of us who love our dogs, you know, if that had happened. And um, But Tesla was just determined to keep to keep going. And, and so, you know, that one lesson of just shaking it off and not letting an, a bad experience cost you from, from still, you know, shining light and positivity and, and love. And, um, but then several days later when she interacted with, you know, another um, resident at that facility who was just very far along in the, in the Alzheimer's disease and, 
um, Tesla was able to break through um, in a beautiful way for this woman as she was just sitting at her feet and um, and gave her kind of a moment of a little bit of clarity that resulted in the whole place singing an old hymn. And um, it just it meant made such an impact on Sandy and just that power of forgiveness. And, um, you know, I think I am very good at putting the wall up like I get hurt, you know, arms distance wall up and just such a good reminder from the sweet, beautiful dog that um you know, we can still show kindness, uh, even after being hurt. So yeah, it's really huge. I absolutely love it. I love the pause and ponder on this too. What blessings might have been missed had Tesla allowed one negative experience to affect her treatment of the nursing care residents? Have you ever allowed one bad experience to keep you from possible blessings? So again, you give us these great yeah. things to think about. Now, I've shared 10 stories, people have to get the book because there's 50. <laughs> Is there one that you want to share that I didn't touch on? Oh, um, no. When you sent me the list, I'm like, oh, those are all, I, I love, those are my favorites. Um, I'm trying to think. I There was one story, actually, that we didn't get to include in oh. this book um, that was in the original Proverbs that I wish we had. And it is about a friendship between a dog and a dolphin. And um, it's in the original book. It's called The Salty Kiss of Friendship. And it's the story of a dog, Gunner, a golden mix, who his his pet, his human mom, Marie, is a dolphin trainer at the Dolphin Research Center in Marathon in the Florida Keys. And so every, when, Dol- when Gunner was little, she would just bring him to work with her. And he befriended a dolphin named Delta. And Delta would... Um, Marie would throw toys, Delta would bring the toys and end up bringing the toy back to Gunner, who would take it from her and then take it to Marie. So like the three of them are playing catch together. And but Delta, the dolphin would would seek out Gunner like there's a a bunch of dolphins there. But Delta just was enamored with Gunner. And so Gunner is 10 years old now, moves a lot slower than he used to, but he still knows the path. He still, when Marie brings him to work, he still like follows the path and goes right and lays on his belly on the platform. And Delta will come up and give him a nose. I got to meet the two of them. I've never been more excited to meet. Um, it was like meeting a celebrity <laughs> when I got to go <laughs> and see Delta and Gunner interact and um, get pictures. And it was so sweet, but such a beautiful picture to me of of friendship across all kinds of boundaries. Like they could not be more different. And yet they're such good friends. And it was just such a beautiful picture, you know, especially just given the state of the world and all the things that like, good gracious, if a dog and a dolphin can find a way to connect and be friends, like we we should be able to do this. <laughs> so I, I'm sad, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, why didn't we put that story in this book? But um, it was just one of my favorite stories. Oh, I love that. Well, Jennifer, yeah. you are wonderful. This has been so much fun. I love the stories. I love the book. Again, Proverbs for a Dog Lover's Heart, Inspiring Stories of Friendship, Fun, and Faithfulness. How do we learn more about you and all your other great books? Oh, you're so sweet. Um, Yeah, website, jenniferblakely.com and social media. Um, I have actually a dog book coming out in October. It's about a therapy dog ministry. Um, the title oh. of the book is uh, Finding Grace. 
and it'll be out in October. And I wrote it um, for a guy, Larry Randolph, who started um, the therapy dog ministry. So it's kind of his story of how that started. And um, now it's a worldwide, worldwide ministry, which is um, just doing a lot of, a lot of good. So, oh, I'm you'll have so to come excited. back. Well, thank you. I was so excited to get to work on that with him. Oh, that's wonderful. And I should yeah. point out to people when you go to Jennifer Blakely, it's actually spelled B L E A K L E Y. Yeah. So yep. as we talked about at the beginning, like steak, you know, <laughs> where's the E, right? What? <laughs> and yet it is the word bleak. So it's so conf- Like I said, Marshall was so much easier. My maiden name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Jennifer, this has been such a joy. Everybody go get this book. It's absolutely beautiful. And the pictures are great. And it's really moving and gets you thinking, which I love. Also, keep coming back to Dog Eared. Rate, review, subscribe. And while you're listening to Dog Eared, I have over a thousand episodes of Health Power on the same platform. So you can get yourself healthy at the same time and get some great ideas of how to be the best you you can. So thanks for listening and keep coming back.